Well, here it comes from the New York Times. This is the actual headline. If turkey wasn't on the Thanksgiving table, would you miss it? Maybe not if you prepare these vegetarian sides. Uh, There will be a turkey on my Thanksgiving table. Thank you very much. I guess I need to send out my turkey brine recipe uh, as the recipe this week. I've been bad about that. I apologize. I got to get my recipes out. In any event, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I'm going to get into the wokes of education here in a bit. But first, we've actually got to get into some uh, big news of the day, including inflation. The number is terrible. Uh, it's up over 8%. It is the worst we've had on record. Ties, actually, for the worst we've had on record. And the Democrats are doing everything they possibly can to convince folks that it is a good thing. It's 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 kind of interesting now to see them run through the the whole propaganda scenario. But let me set the stage for you just by playing, to put it in perspective, the audio from CNBC. Well, the news is that 30-year tips are at the lowest yield, negative now at 54, minus 50 more base points ever. Want to pay attention to that. For October read on the producer price index, the month-over-month change is up six-tenths of one percent, exactly as expected. And for some context, the post-COVID high water mark here is up 1.2, and that was in January of this year. If we strip out the all-important food and energy, it's up four-tenths of one percent, Joe. That's one-tenth lighter than expectations. Both of these are higher than the rearview mirror look. Uh, this is double our two-tenths from last look. And if we look at ex-food energy and trade, it's up four-tenths. We're expecting up three-tenths, sequentially following up one-tenth. So hotter on all scores. Now, the year over year, and this is definitely where the uh, most eyeballs are focused. These are the numbers that have been running hot. On final demand year over year, uh, 8.6 expected. 8.6 is what we end up with, and 8.6 is the second time in a row. And both of these are the highest ever going back to the very first month, which was November 2010, when they recalibrated how they calculate this. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good for Joe Biden. It has direct, direct impact out there on people liking him as president. And the Democrats are out there telling you, oh, it's a good thing. It's good. Uh, MSNBC actually put out an article yesterday. They since deleted the tweet that people were dragging on why inflation was good. Now, a buddy of mine, Paul Seal, actually recalled there being some video out there, and he found it. And I want to play this for you. This is from 1930. 1930 something or other this is actually an fdr mgm you know metro goldwyn meyer they produced a propaganda film on why inflation was a good thing listen to some of this washington dc march 4th 1933 a spectacular climax in the world of dramatic events the inauguration of president roosevelt Military men marching to sharp commands, while throughout the nation, 13 million buck privates shuffle along in the biggest army of unemployed America has ever known. Panic faced the nation. Uncle Sam was moaning low with a groan on every upbeat. But soon thereafter, the newspaper presses thundered a startling message. U.S. goes off gold standard. 
Inflation seen as nation salvation. It startled the world. Inflation. But what did it mean to you? And you? And yous? You didn't understand it then, and you probably don't understand it now. So I can speak freely. To understand inflation, we must understand money. This is a cow. Come on, prove you're a cow. There. Well, anywho, 5,000 years B.C., before coins, the cow was used in exchange, like we use money now. Leaping nonchalantly down the centuries, we find the early American settler using tobacco as a medium of exchange. And so on and on until today we have paper money, silver money, and gold money. That is, some people have. In addition to coins, gold bars are piled up in vaults as security for vast amounts of paper money. And now I'll explain inflation. Inflation is, uh, that is, uh, inflation is, uh, well, I'll tell you. Let's sneak up on Dr. Gordon Watkins, prominent professor of economics. I may need his help. Now, follow along with me here. Keep in mind, this is a propaganda film put out by the FDR administration to explain why inflation was a good thing during the Depression. Howdy, Professor. Lovely weather this morning. Or is it afternoon? Or is it evening? Or is it raining? Anyway, skip it. Let's show the folks your chart, the one that shows how a dollar fluctuates in value. Here we are. From 1926 to 1929, the purchasing power of the dollar remains about the same. Then comes depression and money is hard to get. Therefore, its purchasing power rises sharply. At the beginning of 1933, it's away up here, and the dollar buys 60 cents more than it did in 1926. To further illustrate, in 1926, a dollar would buy... No, that. This line represents the cost of living. Since the beginning of depression, the cost of living has been going down, way down. Well, what's wrong with that? The value of the dollar goes up, and the cost of living goes down. That seems okay. Ah, but here comes the line that gives Papa headaches. This line represents an average of incomes, wages, and salaries, including millions who have no incomes or only partial incomes. The purchasing power of the dollar goes up. The cost of living goes down. But look how the average income goes way below the cost of living. And that, my friends, is why we've been wearing last year's shoelaces. Okay. This is a propaganda film again to explain why inflation is a good thing. You're now about to hear how the FDR administration, remember Joe Biden wants to compare himself to the FDR administration. You're now about to hear why inflation is a good thing during the depression. To recap, the purchasing power of a dollar has gone up in 1933. You could buy a dollar sixties worth of goods for just a single dollar, but the cost of living has gone down, which means you can buy even more, but most people don't have a job anymore. So there's really no money to be had. Even though things are cheaper, people don't have money because they don't have jobs. So you've got to bring people back to the table with money in their hands, and you've got to 
lower the cost of goods. As you probably know, the first step in the inflation plan puts $3 billion additional dollars in circulation. To cause inflation in 1933, FDR's plan was to put $3 billion of money in circulation. $3 billion of money. Joe Biden wants to put $3 trillion of money into circulation. Now, what's going to happen? This will make money more plentiful. It will make money more plentiful if you do, do this. Hence, less valuable. So it will lower the value of the dollar if you put $3 billion more dollars back in and in. This is from 1933. With money less valuable, the purchasing power of the dollar will naturally drop. Therefore, the cost of living will be forced up. Wages will be increased to meet the higher cost of living so that the three lines will beat as one. And then, kiddies, we'll all have noodles in our soup. That's all you got to hear. This is from 1933 with FDR. This was his plan to solve the Depression. By the way, it didn't work. It actually prolonged the Depression. It didn't work. People, There's a revisionist history among a lot of American history professors who forget the fact that FDR's plan actually didn't work. You had to have a second New Deal because the first New Deal was a bust. They blamed the courts and say the courts declared all unconstitutional. The courts did not declare the monetary scheme unconstitutional. He sparked inflation during a depression and it wrecked havoc on the American economy. How did he cause inflation? He dumped $3 billion of money into the American economy. And that caused the value of the dollar to go down, which meant you could buy less with your dollar. Because dollars were so plentiful. Put it another way. Let's say all of you want, I'm going to use an Xbox. All of you want an Xbox. Every last one of you wants an Xbox. And an Xbox is $500. So the government decides all 350 million of you get $500 to be able to buy your Xbox. What's going to happen? What's going to happen is that you will not all be able to buy the Xbox if it stays $500 because they'll be bought out. And Microsoft is a private corporation that makes the Xbox. What's it going to do? Well, it's going to raise the price of the Xbox to $1,000. And what's going to happen? All of you have $500 to buy the Xbox, but now the price has inflated. Why? Because all of you have $500 on the supply and demand curve. It's very easy to see. If you got a huge demand, the supply has to change. So you have to lower the demand by raising the price to get it to the right spot on the supply demand curve. So if Joe Biden dumps a bunch of money into the economy, which he's about to do with the bipartisan infrastructure plan, it's going to cause even more inflation. There's no getting rid of the inflation at this point. It's not going to happen. We're going to continue to have inflation. And that, my friends, is why the Democrats are going to lose next year. Here's something every one of you needs to know. I mean this very lovingly. I mean it caringly. I got a lot of friends of mine who are invested in the critical race theory narrative of the election in Virginia. That uh, Glenn Youngkin won because of critical race theory. No, Glenn Youngkin did not win because of critical race theory. Lynn Youngkin won because of all sorts of things, including that. But that was a minor one. It had way more to do with 
Terry McAuliffe saying parents shouldn't exercise control in their kids' schools. But also, it had to do with the Democrats' popularity. And that has to do with inflation and costs. As the economy sucks, Joe Biden's polling correspondingly sucks. And the Democrat polling correspondingly sucks. And Republicans do much better. Americans, yes, there are cultural issues for which public policy cannot be addressed. Those cultural issues are amplified by a class struggle that is going on in the United States where rich people really don't care about inflation. Rich people with a lot of money, inflation doesn't impact them as much as you and me. And the rich people out there, including the people who run MSNBC, who tell you inflation is good for you because it means you'll buy less stuff you don't even need, well, they come across as the aloof, out-of-touch elite that you don't like. And the American public are reminded that the Democratic Party is controlled by a group of people who genuinely hate the American people and despise having to deal with the working class, regardless of their race. Inflation, in other words, and the excuses the Democrats are making about inflation is a reminder to the American public that the Democrats not only don't have a problem with the problems of the country, they don't relate to the American people who find all of the problems a problem. So the American people will throw the bums out of office and bring in bums with a different letter next to their name. I have to ask a question. Have you noticed uh, the, the outrage? I spent a little bit of time on this earlier on Aaron Rodgers. He, he mentioned he had consulted Joe Rogan and he used ivermectin, which by the way, I know a number of doctors who believe that it does work and they've seen success with patients. Ivermectin is actually a drug for humans, although it is given in high doses to livestock. It's a drug that has saved billions of human lives. The media misses that. And they are mad at Aaron Rodgers because he didn't get vaccinated. And he led them to believe that he was. You know, they say he put them in danger. No, no, he did not put them in danger. He was not infected until now. You were not in danger talking to Aaron Rodgers three weeks ago or four weeks ago or any time. Here's the thing. I, I got a question. Have you noticed how Aaron Rodgers is not allowed to say anything about COVID-19, his treatment, what he did, or have an opinion about his own health? But by God, you should listen to Big Bird and get your five-year-old vaccinated. I mean, we're allowed to listen to Big Bird. We are allowed to listen to puppets who have human arms slid up the rectum of the puppet to move its lips but we're not allowed to listen to an NFL player about his own health. We can listen to some dude in a bird costume who's supposed to be seven years old. The bird, not the man inside. Or a woman inside, I have no idea. Somebody's inside that bird. And we can listen to that bird and do what that bird says. You better do what that big bird says. The government pays that bird to tell you what to do. But don't listen to an NFL player. This whole thing is, is just absolutely ridiculous. Listen, Aaron Rodgers lied. Let's let's not dance around that. Let's not know us. Aaron Rodgers lied. But did he put anybody in danger? No, he didn't actually put anyone in danger. Why? Because he's a very healthy person who did not get COVID until very recently. And how did they find out he had COVID? He gets regular tests. So they found out. None of the protocol follows the science. None of the protocol out there in America right now follows the science. 
you can you got to leave your mask on on the airplane until you get your peanuts and the more they don't do that anymore because allergies so your, your pretzels the moment you get your pretzels you can take your mask off and leave your mask off the entire time you have pretzels to eat but don't listen to Aaron Rodgers and don't listen to Joe Rogan about what their doctors not them but their doctors prescribe don't listen to them what they did in their situations. No, no. But listen to a man in a costume of a giant yellow bird who wants you to give your five-year-old the vaccine. I don't care if you give your five-year-old the vaccine. I don't. I think it'll be fine. I don't think your five-year-old needs it. Statistically, the the children are going to be asymptomatic and it might build their immune system. They're worried, and this is my philosophical problem with giving kids the vaccine or even mandating it to them, is the whole reason public health officials want your kid to get the vaccine is because adults won't get the vaccine. I personally think that you shouldn't be setting public policy to make kids get a vaccine because the adults won't get it. Go encourage the adults to get it without a mandate, by the way. But it is preposterous that... Aaron Rodgers is vilified for talking about his healthcare regime, and yet a man in a big bird costume who wants you to get your five-year-old vaccinated, we're supposed to listen to him as gospel truth. It's science, I guess. It's ridiculous is what it is. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. My phone number here, should you wish to call, is 877-973-7425. All right, we must move on to other things. Uh, this this is a bizarre one to me. Well, I, I guess it's not really bizarre anymore. It's, it's becoming more and more commonplace. State Street Global Advisors is one of the largest investment firms on planet Earth. And at State Street Global Advisors, you will now need permission to hire a white man. Uh Uh-huh. You will need permission to hire a white man. This is from Fox Business. There is now front and center for State Street. It's on every senior executive scorecard, says Jess McNicholas, the bank's head of inclusion, diversity, and corporate citizenship in London. All of our leaders have to demonstrate at their annual appraisals what they have done to improve female representation of the number of colleagues from ethnic minority backgrounds. The company aims to triple the number of black, Asian, and other minority staff in senior positions by 2023. Executives don't meet the target. They will face lowered bonuses. Recruiters will now have to establish panels of four or five employees, including a woman and a person with a minority background, when hiring middle management staff. The firm will still hire white men, McNicholas said, but recruiters are required to show that women and minority candidates were interviewed. So in other words, (laughs) they'll be tokens. My goodness gracious. This is why the United States is currently in the midst of backlash against this sort of stuff that is spreading like wildfire through the Fortune 500, through government, through schools. 
it's going to cause further backlash. It is going to get worse before it gets better. And voters are going to be outraged by this. The company wants to hold itself accountable for strengthening black and Latinx-owned businesses, according to this person. Latinx, he says. Latinx, a word that does not exist in Spanish. And yet white people say this. Let, let, Let me be really crystal clear about what's going on with all of this in society today. It is rich white people who feel guilty about being rich white people who want to absolve themselves of their guilt. They have created a new religion. They have a new way to purge the sin of whiteness from their lives by focusing on depriving themselves of people like themselves. Now, here's the problem. State Street Global Advisors is essentially admitting it's not looking to hire the best people. Long-term, who's going to want to do business with State Street Global Advisors? A lot of wealthy white people who are more interested in virtue signal than in making money. They will go to State Street Global Advisors and say, I'm with State Street. We made sure to fire all the crackers. Didn't hire any more. But what about the employees who work there? This has always been one of my problems with affirmative action. How do you know they're the best person? How do they know they are the best person? You get a job and you're not white. You get into college and you're not white. Some will be just happy to be there. But some are going to wonder, did I get hired or into this school because of my academic success in my brain or did I get it because of the color of my skin? And it breeds more doubt. And I don't think it's a coincidence that as we have been doing this in this country for some time, the situation has seemingly gotten worse. I mean, the United States of America has had its first black president currently has its first black vice president, has had black secretaries of state, said Indian American governors, Hispanic governors, Hispanic members of Congress. I mean, for God's sakes, the man who represents Fort Sumter in the United States Senate is a black Republican. And before that, he was the first black representative of Charleston, South Carolina. The place where the Civil War started was voted, elected a black Republican to represent them in the House of Representatives. And then the state where the Civil War started, the first shots of the Civil War were fired there. They elected a black Republican. We've made unbelievable progress in this country on race relations. And yet a whole lot of activists are far angrier now than they've ever been. And part of me does wonder, this is just my speculation. Part of me wonders if a lot of these activists are angry internally because they're wondering, did I get to where I got in life because I'm the best? Or did I get to where I got in life because a bunch of white people opened doors for me because of the color of my skin? 
And there are a lot of white people out there who let this fester. A lot of pe- white people out there who think that they are giving some sort of helping hand to a lot of people who may or may not necessarily be able to cut it. And so you're also seeing a lot of people go into business and academia because of the color of their skin and they're not really cut out for it. They're not up to snuff academically. So what's happening now? Well, now those same white wokes who decided to let in people based on the color of their skin to be judged by the color of their skin, not the content of their character and their brains. Now they're saying, well, we got to get rid of academic standards now. We've got to get rid of the SAT and the ACT and all the standardized tests because they're racist. Because black kids aren't performing the way white and Asian kids are, so they're racist. We are going through culturally as a society a ritualistic dance to avoid the obvious. The public school system is failing. It's not the standardized tests. It's the schools themselves and the culture around them. Now, this gets me into ground. Some would prefer I do not go. But we have failed a lot of black families in this country by devaluing family. And Lyndon Johnson, who Joe Biden thinks is a hero, made it worse by propping up a welfare state where a family was not dispen- was was not needed. It was not necessary. A dad did not matter. Uncle Sam could become dad. Uncle Sam could become mom. You could suckle Uncle Sam's man boob and be perfectly happy and contented in poverty, and the government would provide you no incentive to ever get out of poverty but would keep you comfortable there until... Republicans took over Congress in the 90s and demanded welfare reform. Then you had to go get a job. And progressive activists have been agitating against that ever since. They don't want you to have to work. They don't like the job requirements. Progressive activists don't. What they want is to let you be a failure in life and then give you access to the corridors of academia and jobs so that you fall flat on your face. And then you can go out and scream racism and make a lot of money by selling books about how racist everybody was and wouldn't let you get along. I mean, just think about where we are right now. you got a bunch of race hustlers out there on the left who want you to believe that uh, attributes of whiteness are being on time, showing your work, being thorough, showing objectivity. Being reliable, being relatable, being on time, keeping your home life at home so you focus on your all of these things are attributes of whiteness, according to the left. Now, there's no research on this. There's no such thing as this, but the left kind of embraced these things, that being on time, being objective, showing your work, doing your best work, all of these things are attributes of whiteness to a bunch of slackers who suck at life and don't like it. They tried the business world, they tried academia, they failed and they decided it was racism. Or they're white 
and they can't get a real job in America, so they know they can profit off the guilt of other white people by becoming race hustlers in this country. And they have found out that, like themselves, a bunch of other rich white people who don't believe in Jesus equally share the burden of guilt of their privilege. And they don't want to give up their privilege. Notice none of the white people at State Street Global Advisors are saying, oh, I've had enough. I've made enough money. I'm going to retire to my third house in the, in the Hamptons with my fifth wife's cousin. Nope, nope, they're not giving any of that up. Nope, they got their fifth wife's cousin. They got their house in the Hamptons, but they want more. They're not going to give up their perch. They're not going to give up their power. They will not give up their throne, their private jet, or anything like that, but they don't want you to have any of it. So they can use you for substitutionary atonement. In Christianity, Jesus Christ died for the sins of humanity. In wokeism, you must die for the sins of the rich white dude who won't give up his power. You can't have power. Somebody else without your training, without your skill, without your brain, must be given your, your power based on the color of their skin so that whitey at the top feels good about himself and can sleep well at night next to his fifth wife's cousin. That's the ultimate end game of wokeism and secular humanist religion here. It's all about making the rich white people who have no God feel good about themselves so they sleep well at night because there's something to the back of their mind. We all have a conscience. We're all made in the image of God. So we all have that part of the back of our brain that says this should not be so. There's something wrong here. And there is something wrong here. We have fostered, well, we have not, you have not, I have not, they have fostered a system of education and business where we can leave a whole lot of people behind and we can devalue families, we can devalue moms, we can devalue dads, and it's okay for them because at their level, it doesn't matter. The rich can live a lifestyle, the poor cannot, and the poor want to emulate the rich. So the rich can go out and they can have multiple lovers and multiple abortions and, and not do well in school and snort cocaine and live a perfectly good life as daddy's trust fund takes care of them. Poor person cannot do that. They go to jail and they ruin their lives and the lives of the children because they don't have an abortion. The rich guy does. So the rich guy feels really guilty about because he knows it's not right. We're all made in the image of God. He's got that voice in the back of his head saying, this cannot be so. And so what's he do? Well, he, he can't go find real religion and he can't really figure out what's right and what's not because he has no sense of good ethic, has no good sense of right from wrong. He's rich. He doesn't need it. He pays other people to worry about those things. He comes up with the idea of, I will sleep well at night in my bed and give up nothing. What I will do is make those who come after me give up all that they want. And the successful people in life will have to give up for the less successful people who are less successful because of the failures of the public policies I advocated for. The public schools have failed, so we must give up the standardized tests. So the poor black children out there failing in schools don't realize their failures, then we must force the white kids who got a good education because they're not from broken homes to step aside. And you know what happens? We just perpetually repeat the cycle. And a lot of black moms and dads are finally realizing, you know what? These rich white people and the Democratic Party have screwed us. 
because our kids are now going to failing schools and their solution is to get rid of the tests that show us just how bad schools are failing as opposed to helping my kids. Republicans should probably seize on this issue. They should bounce on this issue like Lynn Youngkin did in Virginia and make it about education. You should not have to leave a child wondering if a door was opened because of the color of his skin as opposed to his academic merit. And yet the rich white secularists out there have done just that. They've chosen to see doubt in a large part of the population as to whether or not they are capable or whether or not it's because of the color of their skin. And that's really unfortunate because it fosters resentment among the white kid who has the door closed in his face because of the color of his skin. And it fosters all sorts of doubt in the kid who the door was open for because of the color of his skin. As opposed to, why don't we just treat everyone on merit and ensure that everyone, regardless of the color of their skin, gets a really good education. Maybe State Street Global Advisors, instead of using minorities as props to make themselves feel better, should start seeding some endowments at private elementary and secondary schools around the country so that kids who aren't white and can't afford the ritzy schools and the Ivy League can get good educations and then one day actually compete on the merits as opposed to the race. But... The secular rich people will never do that because they certainly don't want to give up their money. Now, I want you to save some money. I want you, who are not the rich white wokes of America, to save a lot of money on your power bill. And one way you can do that is to get the Eden Pure Gen 40 heater. Now, this thing, it's not just a heater. What sets it apart from everything else is it's got a fan. So you could use the fan just as a fan in the summer. But then you can turn on the heating element and you can circulate warm air and heat up a thousand square feet and save money, your power bill. Because you know the Democrats are already saying power bills are going up. They sure are going up. Oh, what's this? I just got an email from the RNC. Seven months, seven record price hikes for America, including power. Just got that email. Not making that up. And with Eden Pure Gen 40, you can get a nice little space heater that circulates air quickly and heats up space, and you can get $20 off the lowest price and free shipping. What you do is go to EdenPureDeals.com, click on my name, Eric Erickson, and then get the Gen 40 in your cart and check out and use the discount code Eric Heater, E-R-I-C-K Heater, Eric Heater, as your discount code with the Eden Pure Gen 40 heater. You will circulate air, warm 1,000 square feet, save money on your power bills, and it's actually really well designed. I can even use it on my front porch and circulate warm air. EdenPureDeals.com. Eric Heater is the discount code. Howdy. It's Eric Erickson. Glad to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to call in and be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Y'all heard that this is this story is aggravating to me for a variety of reasons, but 70% of people in the United States suffer from climate anxiety. Climate anxiety. Oh, 70% of you are anxious about the climate, except I don't know a single person who is. This is a poll that was run by ABC. There is no link to the underlying poll. It's from a trade association of psychologists who have formed a trade group to worry about climate change. That's right. That's right. 
It's a trade group that's claiming that this is the case. This is ABC 7 San Francisco. 70% of Americans experience climate change, anxiety, and depression. Survey finds. Oh, now they've added it. They finally added the link. A new survey from Yale shows that 70% of Americans are now very or somewhat worried about global warming as more and more of them show signs of anxiety or depression. As a result of that worry, Noah Oderberg, a psychologist working in Oakland, he says you may have heard of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. A psychiatrist says that now we're experiencing it over climate, a likely story. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com.